0: Morning. I'd like to read y'all a letter. It'll cut into our time. I'll do my best to go as quick as I can during the message. I'll try to be brief as I can be. Uh, I don't want to cut into y'all's time in between services, but I want to read a letter that our brother in Malawi had sent to church there in Kingsport, Tennessee. And uh, and I want to thank you that reached out. Check on my wife. I sent y'all the uh, article by Henry, Don't Fumble the Opportunity. We had some received passes, and people I didn't even know how, I don't know how they knew, around this country poured out calls and text messages and emails and checking on her. And I'm thankful for that. Thank you. Thank you that checked on me. Uh, Gabe wrote, put in his bulletin, he said, we have a brother and sister in South Africa he's been speaking with for about three years. Their name is Christoph and Karina Gals, And they recently visited Brother Willie Mapote and his wife Annie, and they're in Salima, Malawi. They went up to visit them. They're from South Africa, and they went up to Malawi to visit them because they heard they had brethren on that continent. That's a big place. The distance they traveled would be like going from Miami to Colorado. Why? They had family up there. That's what was important to them. Christ dwelled in some people there. They stayed there for seven days. And this is the email that Brother Willie sent. He said, Brother Gabe and your family, hope everyone is doing well in the Lord Jesus Christ. Christoph and his dear wife, Karina, arrived safely here in Salima, Malawi, on the 30th of September. By God's grace, I and my wife Annie welcomed them at the International Airport in Lelongwe very well. On Sunday, they were in our midst during church services here in, in Salama Sovereign Grace Church. I preached from Genesis 6, the message, message titled, How God Saves Sinners. Been good to have been in Malawi that day. Better than South Africa, wouldn't it? Long way away. He wrote again We have seen the story of the flood and how God saved Noah and his family from the horrendous destruction by putting them into the ark. We have seen from the scriptures that the righteous judgment of God against sin and the mercy of God revealed through Christ. We have seen again in the scriptures that the ark of God is a worthy picture and a pattern. Of how the Lord is pleased to save his chosen sinners and justify them in Jesus Christ. It goes truly, the Lord blessed our fellowship and our times during the Sunday church service here in Salima. We've traveled in different places here, such as Salima Town, the capital city of Lulongwe, and our Lake Malawi, and they departed 7 October. It goes on and says, Unforgettable memories. Tears of joy are still fresh in our hearts. The brethren here in Salima, we appreciate for their visit to us and a worship together our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he quoted Paul's letter to Philemon. I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast towards the Lord Jesus, toward all saints, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you. In Christ Jesus. For we have joy and consolation in the love because of the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Your brother in Christ, Willie. That's what God's doing in a little tiny place in the center of Africa. I want to support those brethren. I want to pray for my brothers and my sisters over there. And I want to encourage them. I do. Don't you? And that refresh your bowels it did me. I hope it does you. I just had to I had to read that to you John eighteen we we had a lot of views when night on YouTube for the message. I was thankful for that. I think we're up to twelve now. <laughs> that ain't a lot if you got some funny cat videos or something, but that's a whole lot for the gospel. This is a continuation from Wednesday night. It was just, I couldn't leave it. I had to stick with it. I wanted to touch on these things. I'd said, I said, there's a lot to be said about being entangled in the world. And my pastor was faithful as a young child to tell us, he goes, I worry for you. The two biggest worries I have for you is is being caught up in the things of this world and being caught up in the people of this world. Where do you live? in the world what's in your house people of this world it's not just something down the road or up in LA that's right here that's us isn't it right in our own homes my living room they told us that and he taught us things what the scriptures say what God commanded for us to teach but here in John 18 verse 18 we read the servants John 18 18 and the servants and the officers stood there who had made a fire of coals for it was cold and they warmed themselves and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. It was a cold night. They built a fire and Peter went over and he warmed himself with those other people there. It says down in verse 25, and Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. He warmed himself there. I told you Wednesday night, I said, there's a lot that could be said about this, but I won't touch on it. I'm going to touch on it now. This is the People call it Bible study. It's a, traditions of men, is what that is. It's religion and, and ceremony and all those things. But hopefully we can study this Bible and see Christ in it every time we open it. Every time. If I don't have that message, I'll not be standing. You can learn that from Encyclopedia Britannica. Get on Wikipedia and find out the history of Peter and where he's born and all those things. You can do that at the house. I hope the Lord show us Christ in this. But he says, there, <clears throat> turn over to uh, 2 Corinthians. Second Corinthians 6. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. Paul's writing to the church at Corinth, and he says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion, communion, oneness, fellowship, hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? And what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out. (laughs) Come out from among them. Come out. And be ye separate saith the lord and touch not the unclean thing I will receive you and will be father a father unto you and ye shall be my sons and daughters saith the lord almighty don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers and you can't you can't have communion with them you can't be fellows in the same ship you ain't in the same boat unless you are I don't know but they can't they know what the scriptures say Amos how can two two walk together unless they be in agreement that's how it is, isn't it? And that does not mean, I have to say this, somebody's got to tell these young people. Colin <laughs> Lincoln, y'all pay attention to. It. This doesn't mean you can't get your car worked on by an unbelievable mechanic, okay? Mm-hmm. That needs said, doesn't it? There has to be knowledge and there has to be understanding with it. And I worried about this until this morning. Uh, don't be concerned with things this world. You set your affections on things above. Now, good common sense and faith in God tells you, go pay your SDG&E bill. <laughs> They'll turn your lights off. <laughs> they will. We still have to live in this world, don't we? Pay your bills. <laughs> Show up work on time. Work hard when you're there. You own a business, be good to your employees. God commands it. You work for a business, work hard for them. God commands it. <laughs> Those are good things. That's just what we have to do what time we think of him. Well, we have our section, our affections set on things above You can have your car worked on, but you can't be in the same ship. You can't row together in the same direction. You ain't alive. Now, that's with the drug addicts, and that's with the the dope pushers, and that's with the, the people that's all these bad things, right? Where was Peter? He was in the palace of the high priest. He was in the utmost rooms of the most religious place in town. Who was he with? The servants of the high priest. I want to cut it to the bone because I don't want people walking around thinking they're okay when they ain't. You can't have fellowship with somebody that ain't the same shit. You can't worship God with somebody that don't know God because nobody's ever told them who God is. It can't. And to call somebody brother or sister, I don't want to get off too often. It has to be said. To call somebody, that's my dear brother. That's old faithful brother so-and-so. If it is, what made them that way? The blood of God did. And that ain't a term to be thrown around lightly. Is that so? We'll see next hour. He calls us brother. He's not ashamed to call us brother. That's something, you know. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. That's what David wrote in Psalm 1 1. Everyone normally associates unequally yoked with marriage. And that's the first thing we go to. Don't be unequally yoked. Well, don't marry an unbeliever. Well, don't. Save yourself a whole lot of heartache and and hurt. And then people will butt and fight on that. But do what the Lord says. But it's talking about fellowship. The, The Lord says, I don't like putting away. I hate putting away. And he gave us bills of divorcement only because of the hardness of our hearts. But the scripture's not talking about that, it's talking about fellowship. Look back in 1 Corinthians 7. 1 Corinthians 7 12. Paul says, But to the rest I speak I, not the Lord. If any man, brother, any brother hath a wife that believeth not, and she is pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. And the woman which hath a husband that believeth not, and if he, if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now they're holy. But if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. If a brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God hath called us to peace. For what knowest thou? He's saying all these things. He's like, if you can live peaceably, if the Lord saves somebody and you're already married, man or woman, don't make a difference, and you can live peaceably with them, do that. And maybe the Lord working in you, they'll say, what's got into you? And you'll say, ain't a what, it's a who. Well, you're just different. You're kinder and you, you ain't as mean all the time. <laughs> Is it because you're going down to that place? Now, that may take decades. I don't know. That's between the Lord and them. But the Lord may use that to call in one of his sheep. He may be. And if they leave, let them go. Don't leave the Lord. Don't that goes against some, some advice that's common in this state. I'll, I'll stand up and say it. It's what the scriptures say. It's a sad thing. You save your marriage, you'll lose your life. If you do it for God for Christ's sake, if you save your, your relationship with your daughters and your sons and you forsake the gospel for it, ah don't Lord said leave them alone. What a that gives me goosebumps all over my body. What a terrifying thing! Corazin, Bethsaida. He said, "If the works were done in you that was done, or the works that was done in you, if that was done in Sodom and Gomorrah, he said they'd have repented in ash, sackcloth and ashes years ago." And he healed that blind man. He said, "Don't even go back down into that town. Leave them be." Oh, what a thing! For what knowest thou? Verse sixteen. Wife, whether thou shalt save thy husband, or what knowest thou, old man, whether thou shalt save thy wife? Who knows? You know what David prayed? He was just couldn't eat, and he was on the floor, and he was a mess. And they said, your son's dead. And he went and shaved his face, and he washed his hair, and he put on clean clothes, put a little cologne on, and he went down to the house of God all dressed up to worship God. And they said, what's wrong with you? And he said, well, before, the Lord may have been pleased to save him. And he didn't. And he killed him. So now I'm going to go worship God. Look over Romans 12. Back a few pages, Romans 12. Verse 14. This is hard. I know it is. It's hard for me. But we I pray the Lord make it so in us. Romans 12, 14. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. I struggle with that. That's hard. Lord has to do that. He has to walk in me to do that, and I ask him to. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one towards another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men, if it be possible. I can't talk with those folks because they don't believe the way I believe. They're wrong, I'm right. That ain't, what? No, you're sanctifying yourselves in a self-righteous way. He said, if it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. That don't mean worship with them. That don't mean tell them what they believe is right, but don't be offensive. And my pastor did a good job of explaining that this morning. If if you invite your family, the biggest way you can show somebody you love them is to ask them to come hear the gospel preached. And if God saves them, they'll say, that's the most love anybody's ever showed me in my life. You drug me down there. They'll say that. Lord may work in them. But then, too, if the Lord is starting to work in somebody and you go home and they got a bunch of questions, try not to answer the questions. You'll muddy it up. Just trust the Lord to do the work. Trust Him to work in them and trust Him to work in their hearts and let them sit there and be alone with the Lord for a while. That's good. Live peaceably with them. Don't go and kick them in the shin. <laughs> and don't go take them to the water and drown them in the water. Just live peacefully. Peace, peace. Turn over to Acts 2. Lord, working this in people and doing it. We have to. I live on this earth. Do you? <laughs> I, I got to work and buy groceries and get gas. And I, I need some clothes. I got to go to the eye doctor. But the Lord's going to work in us to show us. He says, We've looked at this a few times, Acts 2. But I pray the Lord would would just commit this to our hearts. I've heard it said several times, we need some more people here at this church. It may sting when we get to what was said to the Lord, but if he adds to this congregation, here's the means he's going to do it. Okay, Acts 2.42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things in common. And they sold their possessions of good and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continued, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, comma. Does that have a comma in your Bible? <laughs> Praising God and having favor with all the people, Period. And the Lord added to the church daily as should be saved. I ain't going out and getting in religious arguments with everybody and getting in political arguments with everybody and showing that I got my rights. That's living peace with all men. Have favor with them. Be a good employee. Be a good boss. Be a good neighbor. Be kind to your neighbors. Maybe the Lord will use that to bring him in. I think people I've been mean to. I think people drive behind me on my road sometimes when I'm teaching that little girl how to drive. <laughs> if I could get out and say what's inside of my head, I don't think they'd come to church with me. I think that window stays rolled up. I want that. I want the Lord to add to his church daily. He's going to do that through his people, through his bride. That's where life's going to come from. Life's going to come through the bride, isn't it? Peter tried to get warm by that fire and he ended up cussing everybody out by the third time. And then the Lord looked at him. The Lord looked at him and he wept bitterly. He was right there in cahoots with them people around that 55-gallon drum or whatever it was, warming up right there with them, trying not to talk to them. But he's answering their questions, trying to find warmth in someplace other than Christ. And God looked at him after that crew and he wept bitterly, wept bitterly. And then I thought too, I kept wanting to keep going with that Lord's tomb. That angel said, you go your way and you tell the disciples and Peter that he go forth to Galilee. Where was Peter? Whenever that angel came there at that tomb and Mary and them was there to the of the Lord's body, and he said, you go tell the disciples and Peter. Peter was at the same place when the Lord called him the first time, fishing. He went back to fishing and he took some folks with him too. Look over in uh, John 21. Two pages to the left again. John 21. Verse one. John 21. one. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed he himself. They were together, Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana of Galilee and the sons of Zebedee, James and John and two other of his disciples. That's a bunch of them, isn't it? Simon saith unto them, I go fishing. They say unto him, we also go with thee. And they went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night... They caught nothing. Poor Peter. He gave up and said, I'm going back fishing. And you know what that did? That influenced those other ones to say, we're going to go with you. That's what ignorance does. It breeds more ignorance. You know what fear breeds? More fear, doesn't it? Poor decisions make poor decisions. Unbelief breeds unbelief. And it's contagious. And that's sad, isn't it? That's sad. These are all brethren. (laughs) The Lord told them, said, you believe God. (laughs) Is that you? You've been faithful just as a solid stone since the Lord first saved you? This is good news to us. They caught nothing, verse 4, But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have ye any meat? And they answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. And they cast therefore, what a command! Could you imagine if I was up working on an ice machine or a uh, air conditioner and somebody said, why don't you flip that other switch? I'd be like, why don't you mind your own business? <laughs> I'm the expert. What are you doing? These are commercial fishermen. But the Lord spoke. The Lord commanded. We'll see it next hour too. Joseph commanded some things. Cast the net on the right side of the ship and ye shall find. And they cast their forward. And now they were not able to draw it in for the multitudes of fishes. Therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved saith to Peter, It's the Lord. That's God on that shore. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher coat unto him for he was naked and he did cast himself into the sea. He took off swimming fast as he could go to get to him. He gave up fishing again. It's going to take more than once sometimes. Look down verse 17. It's after the Lord asked him twice already. He said, Simon, you love me? You feed my lambs. You love me? Verse 17, he saith to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved, because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. You go preach, Peter. You go preach. You went back to fishing. I, I pulled you back from that. You go preach again. You go catch more men. Get after, And you know what happened? That's what I said last time too. He had he was so meek. He stood up in front of thousands of people at Pentecost, the ones that killed the Lord, that one that hit him in the face, maybe with the rod. I don't know if he was there or not. The ones the Lord prayed for, they don't know what to do. And he stood up and he said, You killed him. They're sinners. God did this. It was his determinate counsel of foreknowledge. And you're guilty. And I said, Let's wear some water. I won't profess Christ in public. But by believers baptism." I thought about this. This is common. This is where people take the scriptures and they whip other people because they ain't got enough good sense to know what it means because God ain't taught them yet. After that, Peter said, Lord, you know all things. And he went and preached, and the Lord used him to save all those people. And Peter never, ever, ever, ever forsook the Lord. He never, ever forsook the people of God. He never, ever forsook the gospel again, right? Wrong. (laughs) He's still alive. He was still housed in this body of death. I heard a man quote one time over in Hebrews 10. He said, if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. But that fearful look of judgment. You better not fall away. It's your fault. It's on you now. God save you You, you got to keep yourself. That's a lie. That's a lie. What happened to Peter? Paul told us so in Galatians 2. He said, they was there eating pulled pork barbecue with them Gentiles. And some Jews showed up, and Peter got up, went over and sat with the Jews, quit eating the pulled pork, and so did a couple other ones. And Paul withstood him to the face. Well, he just just, just changed his mind. He wanted chicken instead. He denied the gospel. He denied the Lord's people, and he denied the Lord by doing that. I bet it was fish. He probably went back to eat fish instead of pork. He did it again. That gives me so much hope. Doesn't it you? That's me. That's me. I'm prone to wonder. I'm prone to leave the God I love. Now, a preacher friend of mine asked me the other day, he said, Do You want to go fishing? I said, Physically and mentally, <laughs> yes. Let's go fishing. I'm glad I don't own a boat. We'd be right out there with Peter. We laughed for a little bit. I stuck my nose back down the grindstone. <laughs> the Lord had to keep me, didn't he? Back in our text are in John 18. That's the kind of that's the kind of I was going to leave off there and we'll call it a date, but I ain't. That's the kind of disciples the Lord has. Peter ain't much, is he? That's the kind of people Christ came to see. It is. Look here at John 18, verse 19. The high priest then asked Jesus of his disciples. And of his doctrine. Now we don't have a big list of questions there, do we? This is a general statement. And I'm learning more and more and more as the Lord shows me things that this is consistent. The people that wouldn't stand with with the Lord's preachers in this day, they wouldn't have stood with the Lord's preachers two thousand years ago. Ain't no different. They, if if they're mean to their wives in this day, they'd be mean to their wives back then. If they they don't like them now, don't like 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 the way they word things, they wouldn't like the way they word things. Six thousand years ago. Wouldn't have made a difference. What well, do you think that high priest asked him when he asked of his disciples? Well, people ask in our day, how many people you got down there? <laughs> well, how many there? How many go church with you? Same question people ask today how many do you have, isn't it? What if the Lord would have answered? He didn't answer, but what if he did? What would he have told him? I've got twelve, and one of them is a devil. what about you disciples tell me about your disciples is there anyone there that's notable is there any famous people is there any theologians there? those that have masters of divinity are there any of those people there that's been aged many many years in the gospel no but I tell you what we do have we got some publicans a bunch of crooks mafiosos we've got some deaf people some dumb people some lame people some blind people bunch of harlots down there there's a prostitutes down there that's what they are low lives people despised by public public figures and everybody of of the place you want to come well that's not me not yet he asked the priest the high priest asked jesus of his disciples and his doctrine what's our doctrine I get asked a lot if I preach the whole counsel of God. That means there's one thing they're wanting to harp in on. No interest in the whole counsel. What's our doctrine? There's a sovereign God over all things. Salvation's included in that, and that's who he's talking to. He's our doctrine. Satisfaction substitution. He provided himself a lamb, Jehovah Jireh, and he's risen. That doctrine's set right in front of him. Ruined by the fall, redeemed by the blood, regenerated by the Spirit. That's who's sitting right in front of him. Every portion of that's concerning a person. These young people know that, don't they? What profitable doctrine? Preacher says, that our pastor told us that Christ is our doctrine. <laughs> a person's our doctrine. Good, I hope they correct people like that and rebuke people the rest of their lives. That's good things to know, Kyle. What's your doctrine? It's a person. (laughs) And he's right there. Mm. John said, Whosoever transgresseth abideth not in the doctrine of Christ, he hath not God. But he that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. That's eternal life. Verse 19 again. The high priest then asked Jesus of his disciple and of his doctrine, and Jesus asked him, I spake openly to the world. I ever taught in the synagogue and in the temple. Whether the Jews always resort. And in secret have I said nothing. I was down there. I preached every time them doors was open. I didn't hide nothing. There wasn't no family covenant doctrine. Like, well, that's that's the high doctrine. We only tell the, the elders and the bishops and all that stuff. Or that's just what we talk about the family. We don't tell the public those things. If a man won't preach it, he don't believe it. That's so. Well, we don't say those things out loud. Well, you don't believe them. Yes, I do. Prove it. Preach it. <laughs> Well, I can't do that. We would lose numbers. That's what that high priest was concerned about. Takes the power of God to do that, doesn't it? The Lord said, I've done this in public. I've said no secret thing. I've told you plainly. And it wasn't some hoity-toity. And I pray that the ever-loving Father of the mercies of benevolence and blesses you with waters and just all this nonsense. He said, I'm the door. I'm the way. You see that bread? I'm the bread. You got to eat me. You're going to live. If not, you die. It was plain. There wasn't nothing secret about that. It's plain. He said, I'm God. And they couldn't stand it. These things aren't hid. If our gospel's hid, it's hid to them that are lost. We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. That, that candle is not hid, is it? The Lord said, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that you may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Why would they glorify Him? Because you'll say all the good works is His doing. I know a dear elect lady that takes that verse very seriously. Why? Her Lord said it is that good enough? You pray it often for us, Bob. Keep this light on the hill. Don't let us hide it. Don't let, me, don't let me be hiding it by a fire trying to warm up by something else. He has to do those things, and I petition him. I ask him for it. That's what the whole first half of Ephesians 5 was talking about, not having fellowship with worldly folks, because you can't. He said, walk in love as Christ has also loved us and given himself for us. He's a sweet-smelling saver. For you were sometimes in darkness, but now you're the light in the Lord. Walk ye as children of light. He said, all things that are reproved are made manifest by light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead. And Christ shall give thee light. He's gave me light. I want more. Lord has been merciful to me. I need all the mercies. He's grew me in grace. I want him to grow more. This is somewhere either in this message notes or next, next message. This is a rhetorical question. Don't answer it. I just thought of Ronald Reagan in this state coming from here and him asking Jimmy Carter, are you better off now than you was four years ago? Don't answer it out loud. <laughs> Think about what the Lord's done, done for you and grew you in grace and taught you things and settled you and established you on that cross of solid rock in the last four years. Has he done that, or has he just done it for everybody else? He's done that for me. I want him to do more. John eighteen nineteen. The high priest then asked Jesus of his disciples and of his doctrine, and Jesus answered him, "I speak openly to the world. I ever taught in the synagogue and in the temple. Whether the Jews always resort and in secret have I said nothing. Why askest thou me? Ask them which heard me. What I have said unto them, behold." They know what I said. You go ask those ones I've taught. Everybody listened to it. My dad would say that, but he would flip flop the words, depending on how mad he was. It's, I know you heard me, but I need you to listen to me. And the next time it's, I know you listened to me, but I need you to hear me. And I said, Well, this is, is this the time I listened or is this the time I heard? But there's a thousands of people in their ears, the voice of God went into it. But there was a few. There's a remnant that were hurt in the heart. He spoke to their hearts. He spoke comfortably to their hearts. And to those, not to anybody else, it's just in the head, to those that he's worked in the that the ones that's least esteemed among you, go ask them. You want to know my disciples? Go ask them. That's, they ain't nothing just like me. And that's good news. Not many mighty, not many noble. Well, tell me about your doctrine. Well, first off, it's singular, and it's a person. I don't know much, but I know I was blind, now I see. And I know he did it somebody need more than that explained to them? He said, go ask them. How'd they hear? Somebody had to preach to them. How shall they call on him who they not believe? How shall they believe in him who they not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? That's why their feet's beautiful. I told you that years ago. I was five years old and Don Shelby was staying with us down in Pikeville Henry preached on that how beautiful are the feet of them that bring good tidings bring us gospel and I thought what's wrong with their feet like how how would somebody have pretty feet and I was about four years old or so and there's all, all the adults down there by that big table sitting in the dining room talking and I slow crawled underneath that table and he had his shoes off and I said well his feet's just like anybody else's feet but fine to me years later 16, 15, 16, 17 years later however long it was I saw that that providence that brought him and the foundation that God set him on that he declared was precious. That's what was beautiful. That's what was beautiful. Well, he told Peter, go tell all the world that good news. And he said, you'll fail, but I won't. My word won't return to me void. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, we're so weak. How thankful we are that your strength is magnified in that. We're so prone to wondering how thankful we are Christ's steadfastness. We're so prone to not believe and go fishing. Lord, we're thankful that Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. Preserve us, Lord, as you promised you will. Be faithful through Christ as he must be and he is. Make us look to him. Keep our eyes set on him. Forgive us for what we are. Be with our brethren around this world, Lord. We pray for our brethren on Australia and Africa and Asia, Europe, here. Lord knows that we don't know of. Be with them as you've been with us. Grow them in grace and keep us. Because of Christ we ask. Amen. Alright. I'm going to turn that off so we're not, we ain't live and I'll mention something to you.